0: Let's look at players, buy lows, sell highs, fantasy trades, fantasy trends, and Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd. I'm actually going to be leaving this show to become a producer for Kyle and Jackie O. I'm also the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore bball on TikTok at redrock underscore bball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account and use the code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Thank you also for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free. We're available on all platforms. Double bang? Yes, please. Go and hit the like, the thumb up, the... That's the same thing. The bell notification, the subscribe on YouTube. Go listen to the audio. Do it both ways. And then trade deadline two days away. I think we will get a trade within the next 24 hours. That's my guess. Who it is, I don't know. Different Murray. We'll get that happening in the next 24 hours. And then, of course, the trade deadline Thursday, February the 8th. 1 p.m. Eastern, join me and some guests will be coming in. They'll be solo some of the time. or will be guested up some of the time as well. And we talk trade deadline. <clears throat> so that is all coming up. So what are we doing here? Buy low, sell high. I know most of you understand what this is, but not everyone, because I always get questions about this and always get misinterpretations. If I say that I think someone's a sell high, you don't have to get rid of them. You know what the other option is? You just ride it out and enjoy it. You enjoy the good times. That is totally reasonable. If someone's a buy low, you don't have to get them. Not at all. You can, if the price is right. Again, your default setting on trades should be no. You're just looking at, a nap. not doing it. Unless something just stands out as real value because someone you think has completely misevaluated, or it's a huge win-win, like a point guard for a center that helps both teams or something like that. So a sell high does not mean, man, you just hate the guy. Why are you saying get rid of him? Yeah, because I think you might be able to turn this into something that is better than he could do for the rest of the season. That's how I view that. There are so many things like that that happen um, where you can be misinterpreted. And they'll bring me on to this next point before we do buy low, sell high. The word is Joel Embiid did not, despite Woj's tweet originally, originally have a repair on his meniscus. He had a meniscectomy, so he had a meniscus trim, which means faster recovery, uh, worse long-term outcomes. If I'm in a dinosaur leg, I am selling Joel Embiid. Unbelievably, this is going to be a bad problem for him moving forward. I've got no question about that. It probably does end his career a little bit earlier than it would have, although we always knew his body was a ticking time bomb. He, we re in four weeks. The Sixers continue to be deliberately vague and somewhat misleading in their press releases. He had a procedure, not a surgery. Reevaluated in four weeks. Again, up to you whether you drop Joel Embiid. Four weeks takes us through to, what's the date today? The 7th here for me. So that takes you through to the 7th of March. Um, which is uh, around the time that a lot of fantasy playoffs have already started. It's getting close to the start of Yahoo Public Prize League playoffs, there's no way he's back on the court in four weeks. To me, it's a six to eight week injury. So I would think that there is a chance that he is back maybe the 1st of April, maybe the 20th of March, something like that. And I just don't think that's going to be useful in fantasy leagues. But again, whether you drop him or not, that is up to you. We just know he didn't have a repair, so he's not out for six months. The second part of that is, is I still believe that Paul Reed is the guy. But if I say that Paul Reed is a must-out or a must-roster, I think you have different interpretations of what that term means. It doesn't mean that Paul Reed's going to be a top 30 player. It doesn't mean that Paul Reed's going to be replacing what Embiid does. It means that I think that Paul Reed belongs on a roster and he'll be solid enough in 25 minutes, like a top 80 to top 70 sort of a player. Yeah, the last two games have been bad. The ones before were good. This is how it goes. This is not a league winning sort of situation. The idea of a league winner is something I push back on all the time because it just is not something that exists. But just be really cautious about when I say that someone's a must add, he is a must add. It does not mean that he is your third best player. It does not mean that he's even your seventh best player. It just means they shouldn't be sitting on the waiver wire, in my opinion, and there's going to be ups and downs because honestly, the player is not that good. Like I said, yes, they are two days ago. Paul Reed's a fine replacement level center. He's not great. He's not terrible, but he's solid enough and he's got a very good fantasy profile. But those what those terms mean. Sell high does not mean you hate the guy, must get rid of him. Must add does not mean this is going to be my savior who wins me weeks on his own. It's not how any of that works. All right, so just be really cautious. Fantasy is not as extreme as some people make it out to be. This guy is not killing your season. This guy is not, you're winning everything. Someone, I left a comment on the YouTube today saying they drafted Zach Levine and LaMelo Ball and they're second in their standings. Yeah, because you can deal with this stuff. You can adjust it. One person does not kill everything. It's very, very easy to be able to maneuver around things. And that's why I'm always like, in the preseason, especially, like the draft is important, it's fun. It's not everything. We, we can deal with this stuff. It's all in fantasy trades. Buy low, sell highs, as I said. I didn't mean for that to go that long, but hey, that's what we do on this show. Let's do a quick week 14 recap. Not my best. Be honest with you, not not the best. Chet Hongren was on the buy low. He was 87th. Since then, he's been 35th. That's a W. He was in a slump. He's picked it back up. Darren Fox was an easy one. He was 89th. uh, He was a a sell high, and I nailed that one. He was a buy low. I've nailed that one. Uh, 32nd now about Baccaro was 180th. He's up to 66, 65th, sorry. Pretty good one there. Ant Edwards was 106th. The uh, Goose is now at 53rd. Still got plenty of room to improve from there, Edwards, but that's pretty good. And then Jalen Johnson, I'll call that one neutral. He was 70th. Um, and I said, uh, I think he can actually improve on that. He hasn't really, like he's 67th. So he hasn't gotten worse, but I'm not going to count that one as a win. So that's that's where that is. That is totally reasonable. And that's where we're at. The sell highs. D'Angelo Russell was 19th. He did get worse. He's 29th, but that's not a huge dip. I still think he's going to drop off significantly from there. I'm not going to count that as a gigantic win. Daniel Gafford was 37th. He's actually 34th, so marginally better. Not a good one either. Like I still think that he is a sell high at this point, but he's been great. This one is the interesting one because obviously by the numbers, the Brandon Miller one did not work. I had Brandon Miller listed as a sell high on this show, and then as I was about to record the show, the Terry Rogier trade hit. So I went in and recorded a Terry Rogier trade show and I left Brandon Miller in because I said, I think people might over-respond or overreact to how good Miller is going to be. So I still think that you, even though he's a must-roster player, I still think that you might be able to sell high and get like a top 90 guy back. Well, he's been 58th since then. That has been amazing. He has obviously been much better than I thought. I did not expect they'd pump 35 usage into him or while he was doing that, he would double his steal rate or bump his efficiency up like 10 percentage points. But all that happened, he's been awesome. But this now... He is doing this. He might have unfettered access to shots. They might not play Ball or Haywood again. I don't think that'll be the case, but they might not. But I also think there is a, a real big still sell high on... I'm not going to put him on the sell highs today, but Brandon Miller is still a big sell high. You might actually be able to get a top 50 player, top 40 player again. That means... It doesn't mean I don't, hate, don't like the guy. Doesn't, he's been awesome. He's been playing really well. I have some skepticism that this level of efficiency for 10 games can hold, because it hasn't. Didn't do it in college. Didn't do it the rest of the season. So I've got skepticism about that, but... If you believe that I am wrong in saying there's a sell high, that means that other people will also believe that he can c- continue this. Therefore, maybe you can turn him into a top 40 player. Maybe you can. But maybe you don't want to also, which is totally cool as well. Kyle Kuzman was 41st. He's dropped down to 66th. I'd say that is a decent enough sell high. I think sixty-six is about right for him. And then Ogen Anobi, 47th. He's only fallen to 52nd. He's only played, I think, two games in that time frame. So that is a little bit um We have a small sample size to judge that one, but I'm not going to call that that's a sell-high win either. You've got to be a little bit worried about this elbow injury lingering as long as it does. Uh, I don't know if it's an overuse thing because they haven't really told us what the injury is. But that is obviously not a great position uh, for OG to be in. Today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. That's what brings home the winning trophy. But it's also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything that you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, whatever it is, speed, power, style, whatever it is you're into, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride Every time, all your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. And with all the parts that you need at the prices that you want, it is easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to US customers. Today's episode is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is America's number one daily fantasy sports platform. It's also the easiest and the most exciting way to play DFS. Why? Because instead of going up against thousands of other people, who honestly, it's you versus them. So someone takes money, someone loses money. There's pros and sharks who do that. With Prize Picks, everybody can win, literally, because you just go up against Prize Picks' projected stats and you choose more or less. You choose between two to six of those individual numbers. You put them into an entry and you can win up to 25 times your money back on that, whether it's points or threes or rebounds or assists, steals or blocks. They chuck the number up for so many different players and you just choose what you want. They've also got their um, uh, famous peoples, I guess, favorite players, Meek Mill, Comedian Andrew Schulz. You can find those on the community plays under promo tabs, and that gets you some of the biggest names in the Prize Picks community each week. So go to prizepickscom LockedOnNBA. The code is lockedonNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. dollars prizepickscom LockedOnNBA. The promo code is lockedonNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. PrizePicks is daily fantasy sports made easy. Okay, let's go into the actual lows of this week. Um, we're going to start in Utah with the man on the street, J-O-R-D-A-N-C-L-A-R-K-S-O-N, Jordan Clarkson, who is um, stinking, like he's terrible at the moment. I don't think there's any debate about that. 261st in minus one rankings, 308th in Yahoo, averaging only 20 fantasy points, 13 real-life points, two rebounds, four, uh, four assists, .63s for Jordan Clarkson. Well, there you go, red flag already. Zero steals and zero blocks in his last two games. These are obvious things. and I know it's easy enough to look at ranking numbers and say, well, this guy's trash and see the bad shooting that Clarkson puts up. He's at 39% from the field um, and go, well, I don't want him on my roster. He kills things. But it's very, very easy to see, even though he's a bad steal guy, you'll usually get more than one steal and block in seven games. And that usually happens. Jordan Clarkson's hitting 12.5% of his threes. And while he's actually having a really down shooting season, overall, this guy was 34 last season, 32 the year before that, 35 the year before that. What this suggests to me is that I know that this isn't how averages work out usually, but I'd I'd gather that Jordan won't remain a 29% three-point shooter, meaning for him to jump to 31 or 32, he needs to have a 37% run. And, And I think that'll happen. And I know it's going to be more than 12.5%. So more than 12.5% pushes your threes up, pushes your scoring up. And then instead of 13.5 points, you're at 16 points. And you've solved a lot of the problems already. The other thing is that's interesting is his usage is down. 24.4 over the last seven games. He's sitting at 27 over the course of the season. The minutes, they fluctuate. We know this. They're all over the place. His last few games, 26, 34, 31, 23, 31, 30, 22, 39. It's all over the shop. But I just want more consistency in the minutes. I want more consistency in the usage. And I think those threes and defensive stats will come up. At the moment, you don't have to give anything to get Jordan Clarkson. In fact, he's probably on your waiver wire. And I think it probably is worth grabbing because I do think a turnaround is going to come at some point soon. But if you're in a deeper format of 14-teamer, I don't think you need to go up anything more than a top 140 player. Because again, he's been nowhere near that. Overall ranking numbers will always make him look worse because they don't take into consideration head-to-head and punting scenarios. That's why he's 308th on Yahoo as well. So you can always get a little bit of a bargain there for the people who are ranking adherent and you can get that sort of stuff value-wise. So it's more for deeper leagues, but on a, on a 12 team, if he's on your wire, got no problem grabbing him because there are just certain things here that have no, hold, no chance of holding. He's not going to be a zero steals guy. He's not going to shoot 12%. The usage, maybe it stays at 24% don't don't think that'll be the case he's like a last 3 years 27 27 26 30 like i'm pretty sure that is going to bump up and that gives us an opportunity to go and get clarko the next one is a, an obvious one i believe as well and the reason i know it's obvious is because many people have said man one more bad game i'm dropping miles turner and i said you're not Well, maybe you are but you really shouldn't be yes it has been a terrible run 230th over the last two weeks, 239th on Yahoo, 139th in fantasy points with 26 per game. He's averaging 14 and six with 1.3 assists, which you go, okay, 14 and six. What's wrong with that? For the season, he's averaging 17 and seven. So it's three points less. Okay. 1.3 assists. That's what he does. But what else is going on? Well, he's only hitting one point or 0.83s. This man averages 1.3 triples for the season. And you want to know what he averaged the last three years from three? 1.5 One point five threes, one point five threes, one point five threes. So I am going to go out on a limb and say he's not going to be a 0.8 threes guy. He's at 0.7 steals, that's fine. He's had three blocks in his last six games combined. Miles Turner is probably never going to go back to that guy that three years ago was three point four blocks. You know that I talk about this when you have outlier low volume stat categories, steals and blocks. Just expect big downturns the next season. Expect huge ones. He's gone from 3.4 blocks to 2.8 blocks to 2.3 blocks. He's at 1.8 this season. And 1.8 is a really low number for Miles Turner. It's why some of those times when people would consider drafting him second round were always crazy. It's like drafting Jaron Jackson early second round is is crazy because this varies a lot. But I'm telling you now that he's not a 0.5 blocks guy. That's going to bump back up. Is he going to have a run of two blocks a game? Maybe. But even if it's 1.5 blocks, this jumps him up significantly. And he's hitting 21% of his threes. So that's going to push up. He's at 33% from three. So that bumps your scoring up, bumps your three-pointers made up, bumps your field goal percentage up. The blocks push up as well. These are all very obvious things, I think, with Miles Turner that, again, people just react to the games where he had like a five and four. Yes, he was 16 and 10 last game, but he hasn't had a block. He's had two single-digit scoring games in his last five games plus two missed games in that period as well. And people are frustrated. You shouldn't be. Great buy low opportunity. Get a, yeah, I would be top ninety player. You might not even have to give that up to get him. I think you can probably go lower, maybe with a top one hundred guy, and I'd be okay with bringing him back. Let's go to Sacramento. I have had a mixed relationship with Keegan Murray, and I think most of the stuff that I have said about him this season has been relatively accurate. I was always concerned about consistency. I was always concerned about what else do you do apart from score, and I've always concerned about where does your usage sit. And sometimes he has hot streaks, sometimes he has cold streaks. And now we're in a cold streak. Keegan is 146th in the last two weeks in minus one rankings on Yahoo. He's ranked 67th because he's played a lot of games and they love the fact that he never turns it over. He never turns it over because he never does anything with the ball. That's why, again, not a, not a great way to value people. If you think Keegan Murray's been 67th over the last two weeks, you're wrong. 12 uh, 25 fantasy points, which is 144th. He's averaging 12 and four with two assists, 2.1 triples, 0.9 steals and one block. He's been pretty solid with the steals and blocks all season. He's at 1.1 and 0.6. That has improved significantly from last season. He's hitting 45 from the field, 36 from three, and 80 from the line. Again, relatively solid numbers. So what's going on here? Well, he's down over the last seven games to a usage figure that is lower than it was last season. Because you know what's happened is that the pencil Harrison Barnes, Barnes Barnesy. I know some of you go, oh, man, I hate that sound for Barnesy. just take it in, Matt. Zen. It's a way we can just relax in this busy world. Because Barnes has taken a million shots. So Murray's not. And this is what happened last season. Keegan had a 15.7 usage. And part of my thing with him taking this gigantic leap forward is he was the sixth offensive option on that team. And I said, well, he maybe can jump to third, but it's a long way to go to get there. And he's at 18.4 for the season and he's 15 over the last seven games. So still not above average in usage. There's still room for that to improve. The other thing is, is the shooting is way off compared to where it's been. 35.7 from three over the last seven games. He's at 36.8 this season, but he was a 41% shooter last season. And we know what happens with him. He goes on these ridiculous hot streaks where he can push his usage to 22. He can shoot red hot. He puts in these big, big numbers. He becomes a top 50 player for this period of time. And then he cools off. He goes missing. Uh, Mike Brown's offensive uh, hierarchy and game plan and rotation changes every three games. It does. We see it with Herder. We see it with Monk. We see it with Barnes. We see it with Murray. You see random guys coming in and out and different priorities happening all the time. It is frustrating. But that is what the reality is with Keegan Murray. But for now, like this is not a good run of form. I say target a top 110, but that depends. If the person who has Keegan Murray froths the fact that he never gets a turnover, well, they'll say he's nowhere near that. He's actually like, Josh, he's the 70th best player all season. He's actually 40th. So he's going to be out there killing it by not turning it over. Cool. Him and Lonzo Ball, about the same in that category. It's the other stuff that doesn't really appeal to me. I need to see more of it. I need to see volume. That is how you win in head-to-head leagues. It's volume. It's volume, yeah. So it is a... But it's, So if you can't get Keegan Murray for a top 110, top 100 player, don't do it. He can have better runs than this, but inconsistency uh, uh, he's is... Inc- he's consistently inconsistent, which is frustrating. But an uptick is going to come at some point. Let's go to Toronto. Um... When we're talking about my favorite friends north of the border, we're going to talk about Emmanuel quickly. He hasn't been in Toronto long enough for me to dislike him. So let's talk about him as a buy-low target. He's 137th in minus one rankings over the last two weeks. That is 269th on Yahoo. The reason he is 269th on Yahoo is because that is by total numbers. And he has only played the three games since returning from injury. So bear this in mind. But again, I use a lot of different things when I talk about this. I use numbers. I use the production, I use projections, I use vibes. I use the comments that I see directed at me. Can't reply to all of them because there's lots of them. Uh, but I see uh, Reddit posts, I see Basketball Monster forums, and I see the people, and once I see a few of them start to happen, at the same time, I go, yeah, quickly has been pretty disappointing, yeah? Hmm, he's quickly my worst player, should I drop him? And I start to see that five, six times, five? five six times a day. That was my natural Australian accent coming out. You know, when to talk like this, we were just we were 28 in the morning. Imagine I really talked with a full Aussie accent. I don't actually have an accent like that. This is my real accent. But if I did a full show in full bogan, you guys would have no idea. Anyway, what I was saying about quickly is when those things start to come out and people are like, should I be dropping him? He's my worst player. Um, I go, yeah, okay. It's time for a buy low. So what's going on here? Uh, 30 fantasy points, 97th. He's averaging in those games since returning, 16.7, 1.7 rebounds, comically low, 7.7 assists. He's hitting 3-3. So nothing there looks terrible, Yeah. 0.3 steals and zero blocks. All right. 37 from the field. Oh, there we go. Red flag. 39 from three. Pretty good. 70 from the line. What's going on there? So what's going on with his twos? Last season, this fellow hit 52% of his twos. This season, he's at 45.6. I think the 52 last season is a gigantic outlier. The year before, he was at 45. This season, he's at 46. But he has, even over his last 12 games, 39% from two. 35% from two over the last three games. These are numbers that are just incredibly low and are not likely to stay at that level. So even if I don't think he's the guy that he was last season, and I don't in terms of two-point finishing, he is way better than this. Maybe 12, 13 percentage points higher, maybe 15 percentage points higher, best-case scenario. That's a big jump, and it bumps your scoring, it bumps your field goals up. I'm not going to suggest that the three threes a game and the 39% shooting can improve, because I think that's about right. But he's at 70 from the line. He was at at 85 this season, 82 last season, 88 the season before, 89 the season before that. So yeah, he's not a below-average free-throw guy. In fact, he's a well-above free-throw guy. And then the steals. This man averaged one steal a game last season. Now, he's only at 0.6 this season in 26.6 minutes. If I look at that on a per 36 basis, he was at 1.2 per 36 last season, 1.1 the year before that. He's at 0.8 this season, but he's not getting any at the moment. One steal in his last three games. And we know how quickly that turns around. Free throws, easy jump. Two-pointers, easy jump. Scoring, easy jump. Rebounds, actually, a pretty easy jump. That can easily double, plus steals can triple. It's huge value coming here. I think a top 100 target might be enough to get it done because anytime you look at a split with him, he hasn't been a top 100 guy, 143rd for the season, 113th over the last month, 123rd over the last two months. And there are very obvious ways that he is going to be able to bump these numbers up and have a top 50 to top 60 run for a period of time. And I don't think you need to give up too much to get him at this stage. The last one is Paul George. Again, the numbers aren't terrible for Paul George. But the reason that most of this stuff is happening for Paul is he is dealing with his groin injury. They are limiting him in minutes and playing him six fewer minutes than Kawhi and James Harden every game. And I think once the um, all star game happens, I think he may not play in that game. Just I think he might do a Jimmy Butler and sit on the bench and not play and get that rest in and then come back with big minutes later on. He's 59th in minus one over the last two weeks, 38th on Yahoo, 77th in fantasy points, averaging 17, 4.6, and 3.4. This is not because Paul George has taken this gigantic backseat to James Harden and Kawhi. That is not what is happening, I don't think. He's at 2.13s, 1.6 steals, and 0.9 blocks, all pretty solid numbers, apart from the threes. He's at 44 from the field, 36 from three, 89 from the line, fine. He's just not playing. 17 points per game for Paul George. He's averaging 23 this season. He's averaging 29 minutes a game when he's at 34 for the year. So he's five and a half points less than what he's been doing all season. Now, some of that is a slight dip in usage. Is it 25 usage versus 27 for the season. And I think he's probably a 26 to 27 usage guy rest of season. But he's not going to be 29 minutes a night. They are just keeping his minutes down. Look at his minute log. 33, 33, 27, 27, 23, 28, 30. And prior to that, it was 36, 35, 42, 35, 38, 31, 38. There's six minutes a game here that he can get back. Let's say maybe four minutes a game, maybe, from the last couple. Um, and that bumps everything up. Scoring goes up. He's only hitting 2.13s a game. He was at uh, 3.4 for the year. He was at 2.8 last season, 2.9 the year before that. He is taking more threes this season. He's hitting them at a very good rate because he's doing more stuff off the ball with Harden around. They're very easy jumps here, and I think you might be able to get a bit of a bargain here on Paulie, get him for a top 40 player, and yeah, I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty adamant on this one because I think that minutes restriction is going to go away pretty soon. Today's episode... Is brought to you by the Game Time app. You should not have to worry about buying tickets to your next big event, whatever it is sporting events, theater, comedy, musicals, whatever it is you're looking to get. Why should getting tickets to something that you want to enjoy be a stressful experience? Well, it isn't at Game Time with killer last minute deals, all in prices, views from your seat, and the best price guarantee. Game Time, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. The zone deals are awesome. Sometimes you'll be like, I don't really like, I don't want to buy tickets. I don't want to choose the thing. I don't want to go into that thing. I can't choose. Well, if you choose zone deal, you'll just pick an area. You sit, you choose it and they just say, don't worry guys, I've got you. They pick the seat in that area for you and you save up to 18% on those tickets. GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the start of the event and even an hour after it starts, it is the place to find last minute seats. When I'm heading over to the US later this year, I'm going to be using game time to get some tickets without any question at all. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app, create an account and use the code locked on for $20 off your purchase. First purchase terms apply again, create an account, redeem the code L O C K E D O N for $20 off. Download game time today. Last bit of tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's take us from buy lows into the old sell highs. So again, With every one of these, feel free to write it out. Do you love what this guy's bringing you? Then enjoy it. Just roll with it. If you can get good value, try it. And if you can't, who cares? Just roll with it. Let's start with everyone's favorite, legendary, potential jailbird, Miles Bridges. Um, His court date is coming up February the 2nd. I don't know what will happen. He legitimately could be in jail or it could be nothing. The Hornets don't seem worried about it. In terms of where he's going to be, but I'll also say this: they're the Hornets, so whatever they say, I tend to think the opposite's probably more real. We'll find out. He's 23rd over the last two weeks. Miles Bridges 13th on Yahoo rankings. He's averaging 42 fantasy points, which is 23rd in that time frame. He's at 23 points, eight rebounds, four assists, hitting three threes, one steal, and one block a game. And the thing about this is, you look at all those numbers and you go, they're not actually very different to anything that he's done all season. So it's not like he's, I go, okay, well, he's two pointers up. No, they're actually down. 52 versus 49. Are he's three pointers up? Yeah, 36 versus 38. Who cares? His free throws, 87.1 versus 87.0. Bang on. His usage, 26.3 versus 26.1. All right, what about rebounds? 7.2 versus 7.8. Scoring, 23 versus 21. So what? what's the actual issue here, Josh? I'll tell you. He's playing 38 and a half minutes a night. That is a lot of minutes. Now he's at 37 for the season, but there is going to be, I'm guessing, certain things happen on this team. Gordon Haywood apparently is coming back. I don't know if Kyle Lowry is going to play at all on this team. He might. He won't play before the deadline, but does someone else come back in that spot? Does this team actually have any like reason to play him 38 minutes once we head into March? Or are they they're not going to be focused on that winning? Like is that is that is a lot of minutes? So I think that can come back. The thing is is there is and I didn't even include it here, but there are three massive risks here. He could get traded. And if he gets traded, he's not playing 38 minutes a night. He's not running at a 26 usage. He's not probably handling the ball as much as is. I would not even include LaMelo ball coming back, so that's going to drop a lot back for him. Um he's not doing any of those things. The other thing is if he stays on the Hornets, we know they've got a two-game week in the playoffs. And that's the week ending March 24th. That might be your grand final week. might be a semi-final week. It might be if you run a terribly set up league, the first week of the playoffs, which again, if you have a bye, then you don't care. I also don't think bye should exist in fantasy playoffs, but whatever, separate point. The other thing is is jail is a, is a chance. There's a legitimate risk of jail, or if it's not jail, it might be a community service, a suspended sentence, whatever. And the NBA then comes in and goes, all right, you suspended 15 games again, because they like to let the court process play out. And if he gets found guilty again, then they will suspend him again, I'm guessing. So that is all risk stuff. It's not about individual production for what he's doing because the Hornets might roll there, even though Haywood and Ball can impact this. If I could get a top 50 player back for Miles Bridges, very happy to do it. Very happy. There are just too many negative risk factors. The playoff is a huge... Stay on Charlotte, playoff games, huge risk. Jail, risk. Court date, risk. Suspension, risk. Trade, risk. And I don't see a scenario where things get better from Bridges, based on what he is doing now. Ball is out. Haywood is out. Williams is out. How does he get better from here? I don't see how that happens. To me, this is a very easy... You might even be able to target top 40 to get someone back, honestly. I think it's a very easy sell high. Jalen Green's a really interesting one. He is a very obvious sell high, again, based on his numbers, but it's almost... It's, it's very weird. Over the last two weeks, he's the 26th ranked player in minus one rankings. He's 24th on Yahoo. He's 27th in fantasy points leagues, averaging 41. If I look at his last three games over the last week, he's back outside the top 100. So realistically, he just had like a really hot four game streak. But I don't think the last three games or so have really registered that they haven't been as good. And it's mainly the last two games that haven't been as good because that game, uh, the one against the Pelicans, he was awesome. There's some very obvious issues here. He's at 24 and a half points with six rebounds and four assists. These are great numbers. Jalen Green for the season is averaging 18, 5, and 3. So it's way above. He's hitting 2.3 triples, which is fine. 1.1 steals and 0.6 blocks, hitting 48 from the field, 30 from 3. So there's actually room to improve that, and 89 from the line. But there are two other things. If I'm going to say that his three-pointers can improve, and they can, the other two percentage numbers you just can't trust. 61% on twos. This man is at 48.6% from two for the season. He was at 47% from two last season and 50% as a rookie. I think 51%, 52% is a reasonable target for Jalen from two for the rest of the season. 61, absolutely not. He's also hitting 88.6% from the line. You'll go, okay, well, it's Jalen Green. Like he's a shooter, he's a scorer. Why wouldn't he do that? Well, I'll tell you why he wouldn't do that is because he hasn't ever done that. He's at 81% from the line this season. He was at 79 last season. And 79.7 the year before that. Now, to be fair to him, over the last 40 games, he's at 82% from the line. So I think he's improved from that 78 mark up to around 82. But 82 to 89 is a huge difference. It is a massive difference. It goes from being a basic neutral free throw percentage category impact guy to being his number one strength base. I'm just going to have a look over the last two weeks. Yeah, his number one category strength is free throw percentage. That's the thing that's really elevated. Yes, and that obviously helps points. But the thing that is the biggest bump for him is getting those free throws. The other thing is, this man has always been bad at steals. 0. 0.6, 0. 0.8, 0. 0.7. Last two weeks, 1.1. It's not a big difference. It's half a steal a game, maybe. One, it's one steal every two games, but that's how steals work in fantasy. You might be able to get a top 80 guy back for Jalen. In a points league, I think that he probably can be a top 60 to 70 player rest of season. And you see, he's 27th in points league. So I would be, if I'm selling high, I'd be wanting to get a top 40 player back in a points league. But top 80 in a category league, I think is fair. Let's go to the Knicks. Let's talk about the big ragu, Dante DiVincenzo. Real hot streak from Dante at the moment. And there is going to be some reckoning come when A, Quentin Grimes returns. B, Ojin returns. Grimes, maybe not so much. Let's let's skip Grimes. Forget that. Ojin and Julius Randle. Randall isn't going to be out for the season. They said a two to three week reevaluation. I think we're about a week into that. So we're looking at post all-star break for Randall to return. Ananobi, no idea. Maybe he's back this week. I'm not sure. This is a hot streak massive for Dante. 42nd over the last um, 42nd over the last two weeks, 27th on Yahoo, averaging 35 fantasy points, which is 66th. He's averaging 21 real life points, four rebounds, 3.4 assists, hitting five threes a game. There you go, number one red flag. 1.3 steals with 0.4 blocks hitting 43 from the field, 40 from three, and 88 from the line. So he's at 88% from the line, which again, he's a white guy. Yeah, he can shoot. Oh, well, sort of. He's at 73.3 for the season. Last season, he was at 81.7. The year before, 84.3. The year before, 71.8. So to say that I can rely upon Dante DiVincenzo for free throws is wrong. That's not to say that he can't be good or that he's always bad. It's just that I can't rely upon it. It's all over the shop. So over the last two weeks, he's at 88% from the line. Over the last 15 games, is it 71% from the line? So what is it? I don't know. It's all over the place. The other thing is, is the usage is way up. And that's very obvious why Julius Randle's out. 25 usage the last two weeks. He's at 21 for the season. He was at 15 last season, 19 the year before that, 17 the year before that. I think he can run at 21 or 22 usage rest of season. I I think that's real. But 25, no. uh, 33 minutes a night, Probably not either. He was getting 25 minutes a night as a starter. Um, and then 40% from three, yeah, he can probably do that. The steals are probably real. The assists, all that stuff, he's relatively okay. The 4.9 triples per game, like that's a literally insane, but he can hit 3.5 or 3.6. And the thing with him in projections and numbers is it's going to be there. And then every time, every day that we get closer to Julius Randall returning... DiVincenzo's rest of season projections will dip down because he has less time to play without Randall. Every game he plays without Randall is a 34, 35 minute a night game with 25 to 27 usage, and then So maybe you've got 11 of those to come, and then you play a game, then you've got 10 to come. So your rest of season projections drop, and then you've got nine to come, and they drop again, and then you've got eight. You know what I mean? So then eventually he sits back to being projected as the 110th best player. Yeah, the trades have helped him, but the Randall injuries really elevated him up. If you can cash in top 80, I I think I would. I'd want to aim maybe top 65. I don't think you get it. I'd probably aim top 80, I think. Let's go to Chicago. Let's go to DeMar DeRozan. Because DeRozan has been, I would say, somewhat disappointing this season. There were he was being drafted in the third round of a lot of drafts, and he struggled for most of the year. But is a real hot streak running at the moment. He's 17th in minus one rankings over the last two weeks, 49th on Yahoo. He's averaging 20, or he's 44 fantasy points, which is 20th. He's averaging 23 real life points, four and a half rebounds, six assists, point six threes, two steals and one block. There you go. Someone should be ticking in your head right there. He's hitting 51 from the field. 25 from three and 86 from the line. That's all really good. He's hitting 56% on his twos. And you'll say, Josh, Demar DeRozan's a really good two-point shooter. Yeah, he is. He's been one of the best mid-range shooters in the NBA. Do you know what he shot the last three years from two? 52, 52, 51. And they were like, because he was doing historic mid-range shooting numbers. This season, he's at 49 from two. The last five games, 56. So, while we can say that, yes, DeMar is a killer, he's a mid-range gunner, lean is out, none of that matters when we talk about a number that has no chance of sustaining. That's six percentage points that drops off. So that 51% from the field goes back to 47% from the field, which is what he's at for the season. And then the 23 points per game goes down to 21 points a game. And your overall field goal percentage goes from a positive to a negative, And you've lost 25 spots. He's also averaging two steals a game over the last week. This guy's at 1.2 for the year. He's at 1.1 last season, 0.9 the year before that, 0.9 the year before that. He's also at one block a game when he's at 0.7 for the season. Also, by the way, you know I've been talking about the rise in block numbers. You would have seen the discourse now. I'm not going to say that I started it, but I definitely was talking about this about three weeks ago, and there's a lot of this stuff happening with Fred Van Vliet, saying how he's had the most blocks ever for a guard he's height because they are counting blocks differently. We've seen this with McCollum. We've seen this with Van Vliet. It's the, the, the swipe down is counting as a block instead of a steal. So we can um, lament the fact that VanVleet's steal numbers have dropped, but it's because they're counting his steals as blocks now. So when we see that with Fred, and we didn't know this earlier in the season, go, what's going on? Where are his steals? Why are his blocks up? Same with CJ. Why is he blocking shots when the man never does it? Well, in a lot of spots, they're just changing how they're counting it. And that's a weird thing. So maybe that's happening a little bit with DeMar here, but he's averaging two steals in one block over his last five games. He's also playing 40 minutes a night, which I'm pretty sure he's not going to hold at 40. Maybe he does with Levine out. But he could also be traded. And if he is traded somewhere, he's not playing 40 minutes a night. He's probably not shooting those percentages. And his usage isn't that high, 23%. He's not because he's doing more facilitating. And that can hold. There's just a lot of other things here that don't stick for DeMar. If I could get a top 30, 35 player back, I would. That's about where his ADP draft value was. I think he's more of a 50 player, 53, 54 sort of a guy. So I think he can get a little bit of value out of that. Lastly, we go to, you knew knew I couldn't resist it, man. You knew, who, who do you think it is? It's Cam Thomas. Does this mean that I am... Man, you're just trying to justify why you said Cam was a drop. Um, Well, Cam was a drop because he was 230th for two-thirds of the season. That's why. I'm not... Oh, I was... Yeah, I don't like watching him play. I said he was a drop. No problem. I also said to add him about three weeks ago because I could see where it was going and it is trending up. This is not to say to drop him. This is to say that what Cam Thomas is doing at the moment and the hype that surrounds pure hoopers means that you can turn it into something. He's 30th over the last two weeks. He's 39th on Yahoo. He's 52nd in points leagues, which is weird that his category league value is better than his points, which should give you a bit of a red flag. For a guy that's considered a points league strong player, which Cam Thomas is, that's a universal thing. We we value Cam Thomas as more of a points league guy than category league guy. I think whatever side of the Cam Thomas camp we're on, we can all agree on that. Yes. But when you're ranked better in category leagues than you are in points leagues, that suggests that there is something wildly unsustainable in some of your categories. He's averaging 26 points a game, 3.9 rebounds, and 2.9 assists. This is over the last seven games. right? I He's playing 33 minutes a night. I think he can easily do that. I think his minutes can hold at this spot next to Ben Simmons as well. There's a lot of upheaval on this team. I don't know what they're going to do. I know what they should do, but I don't know what they're going to do. The Dinwiddie and Dennis Smith thing, there's so many weird things that can happen. He's also at 1.3 steals and 0.3 blocks. He's hitting 48 from the field, 36 from three and 91 from the line. I'll just quickly touch on the 91 from the line. He's at 83 for the season. Still a really good free throw guy. Is 91 real? Don't think so. And that's a big difference. That turns you from, again, a guy who having a, a Z score of 0.46 on free throws to over the last two weeks having a Z score of 2.29. That is that is what the increase in volume and free throw percentage does to someone's category league rankings. It turns you from a guy that's outside the top 135 for the season into a top 30 player. He's also hitting 53% of his twos. Now, this is a bad time to say Cam Thomas is a sell high after he shot 12% last game or whatever it was. What did he shoot last game? Because I know it was comical. Um, 19%. Not far off. But he's at 53 from two over the last two weeks. Is at under 49% for the season. Last season on twos, 46. He's had some strong stretches this season and then some cold stretches. And that's what he does. That's why he is worth selling high when that hot streak is on. And then he's bringing somehow defense. 1.3 steals over the last two weeks. He's at 0.7 for the season. He was at 0.4 last year, 0.5. We can look even per 36. Per 36 is at 0.8 this year. He was at 0.8 last year. He was at one the year before that. He's running at 1.4 the last seven games per 36 minutes. Just an uptick in steals, which happens. Random variance on low volume numbers. That's going to drop. Two-point percentage is going to drop at some point. Uh, Minutes may not. They might not. Free throws might drop 8%, still to be a really good free throw guy. And it drops a lot of value. Again, the hype on this guy is always high. If I could get a top 60 player back, I would do it. I'm not suggesting that you can. You might not, but you never know. Some people absolutely froth this guy, and that is possible. The person who dropped him might be like kicking themselves and willing to murder me because of it, But they'll be like, oh, I've just got to get him back. I know what he can be. And they might give you that player back. They might not. And if they don't, who cares? Just ride it out. And then when he goes on a cold streak of shooting 43 from the field on 30 attempts a game and gets one steal in five games, well, then you consider moving on. That is how I think it works. And that's the end of the Buy Low and Sell High show. I hope that it was to your liking I hope that you understand again a little bit more of the terminology and what buy lows, sell highs, must-ads, all that stuff means. And don't forget, Trade Deadline shows coming up. Thumb it up. Bells, subscribes, comments. Tell me down below which one of the buy lows or sell highs you liked the most. Tell me which one you hated the most. I'm always willing to hear all that stuff. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.